righty. I had a, uh, a friend of mine. If you haven't downloaded the app, I really want to encourage you to do it. It, it really is cool. I had a friend of mine in Arizona who actually sent me a text during a sermon a year or two ago uh, just to show me that he was actually watching me live online while he was sitting at a lake fishing somewhere in Arizona and uh, just said, hey, just want you to see what I do during your church, you know, kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, good, just rub it in, you know. But, uh, but it really is a great app, and uh, I, think you'd, I think you'd find it really cool and very helpful. There is a, uh, a couple uh, named Fred and Inez Turley, um, Back in 1948, they, they were having a, just a really, really hard year. Uh, their life had not been easy as it was, but uh, they had lost uh, three children. They had five children total, and they had lost three children um, earlier uh, in the years. But then they had two sons uh, who were both killed in World War II. And uh, 1948, they were, they were kind of still reeling from all of that, and uh, they were just uh, trying to deal with all of the, uh, of the stuff that going on. Fred um, was a barber, and a very well-liked barber in, in, in his town in, over in Arkansas, and Inez was a nurse. And in the early fall, Inez realized she wasn't really feeling well, and as the fall went on, she just felt, felt worse. And finally went to a doctor in early, um, early November or so and uh, made a, a, a startling discovery. She was pregnant. And she wasn't expecting to be pregnant. And um, she came home and told Fred. And Fred thought she was kidding. And she said, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. And it uh, turns out, lo and behold, uh, after all that they had been through, they were going to have uh, another child. And sure enough, at the end of January, she gave birth to a little uh, five-pound, four-ounce little boy. And uh, Fred declared, and it was a, a great interview in the paper, Fred declared to the world, this was an answer to prayer. Now, that would be a great story just all in itself. But the, the real kind of kicker piece to it is that Fred was 65 and Inez was 59. Now, how many of you who may be closing in on my age would say, a baby at 59 would not be an answer to prayer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, 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 was, it was an amazing story. And what was, what was cool is, you know, when you, when you look through history, you'll find that there, are, uh, there have been women who have had uh, babies uh, later than that in their life. But almost all of those uh, that I saw were, were medically assisted. This was just a, a, a natural occurrence. And they totally attributed it to the intervention of God in their life and as a part of healing in, in their hearts. Um, but God can do that kind of stuff. In fact, theirs, if you wanted to do recorded history, wouldn't be the oldest. Um, you could go back to Genesis, where we're going to go today, and, and look at a story of people who had a, a baby much older than that. Now, we've been in this series called Killer Questions for, for several weeks now, and we've been looking at questions that the Bible asks that I think deserve an answer. And today is a really great question. And I want, in, as we answer this question together, I want it to be just a great encouragement to you and your journey of faith. Back in Genesis chapter 12, if you remember the story, God came to Abram and he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. 
I'm going to bless you, and through your lineage, uh, you're going to bless the entire world. Well, he was 75 years old, and he didn't have any children. And he thought, wow, God, you're going to have to really do some stuff here. His wife was about 65 or so at the time, so this is, this is already pushing, you know, miracle kind of indication right here. Well, they didn't have a baby for 24 years. In fact, it, it, it was so long in coming that Abraham just began to believe it wasn't going to happen, and his wife Sarah began to believe it wasn't going to happen. And, and then lo and behold, God shows up when Abraham was 99 and his wife Sarah was 90, God comes to him and says, okay, next year you're going to have the baby. Now, what would be your response at a husband at 90 or you know, 99 and a wife at 90? Let me, let me ask the ladies. What, what would you think if God came to you at 90 and said, okay, next year's, next year's the year, baby? You know? Yeah, well, what did Sarah do when she heard that? Anybody remember? She laughed, yeah. How many of you women would cry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she laughed. And when, and when God heard her laugh, here was his response. This is our scripture, has our question for today. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. And she laughed. And what, read it out loud with me. What, what does God say? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And go ahead and keep reading. I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Look at me, and she did. That's the question I want to process with you today. Is anything too hard for God? Yeah, you know, when I was working on this message, I started thinking about just so many great scriptures that speak to us about God's incredible power. Uh, Jeremiah 32, 17, it's there on your outline. Jeremiah says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Read it with me. Nothing is too hard for you. Mark chapter 9, if you remember the story, Jesus was um, talking with a, a father whose son was, was suffering from epileptic seizures. And the, the disciples couldn't seem to do anything. And he, he says, Jesus, you know, if you, if you can do something, would you heal him? And you got to love Jesus' response. Jesus says, what do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Read it with me, church. Anything is possible if a person believes. Now, look at me. Do you believe? Do you believe? You know, I think sometimes we, we use those words. We, we talk about God's ability to do anything. But do we really believe that God can do anything? Now, come on, full disclosure. Let's, 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 let's be very honest with you. God is not our genie in the bottle. You know, God doesn't do everything we want him to do when we want him to do it. Can we also be honest? Everybody dies. Amen. Everybody dies. The, the mortality rate in our world is 100%, okay? We, none of us make it out of here alive. You know, that, that's a part of the deal. And, and that's real important to understand because, because sometimes we think that, you know, God's going to go against all this kind of and, and, and he doesn't. But the fact of the matter is God does some crazy stuff sometimes. And I fully believe that God wants to be more active in our life, probably doing a whole lot more than we're asking him for, primarily because we really 
don't believe? Well, I want to I want to answer that question today about is anything too hard for God? And the way I wanted to approach this is I was thinking about it and said, you know what? God really shows us what he can do by revealing who he is. All through scripture, God reveals who he is, and is that that's his way of telling us what he can do. So let's unpack that a little bit. You ready? He reveals himself that he is Jehovah Rapha, which means what? Our healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the healer. In fact, Exodus chapter 15, this is where that, that phrase comes from. Exodus 15, 26, read it with me. He says, for I am the Lord who heals you. When, when you look at the ministry of Jesus and all the things that Jesus did, one of the things you notice in the Gospels is that healing was one of the uh, most active ministries that Jesus performed when he was here. It said and in Matthew chapter 4, it talks about news about him spread as far as Syria, and people were soon bringing to him all who were sick. Read it with me. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Say that last phrase again. He healed them all. Just a, just a little testimony moment. How many of you, at somewhere on your journey of faith, have experienced God healing you in a way that you would describe as absolutely supernatural? Anybody? Yeah, hold your hands up high. Because there are a lot of us who have experienced those things. I remember when I was a kid, and uh, so I've shared that story before about, about you know, going into the doctor, and I was scheduled for ear surgery, and my church prayed over me. And I'll never forget sitting in that doctor's chair when the doctor examined me before I was supposed to go to the hospital, and him shaking his head going, I don't understand what's going on here. This stuff is all cleared up Friday. It was like this. Here it's Monday. It's like this. I don't get it. And I'm a stupid little fourth grade kid who goes, you know, they prayed for me at church. And I'll never forget the doctor shaking his head going, well, you tell them to keep on praying because this is a miracle. I don't understand it. God does stuff like that. And sometimes I think in our journey of faith, God challenges us to that. Do you believe that I can really heal? Now, there is a, a, a couple in uh, South Africa, in Johannesburg, uh, Crystal and uh, Bernard uh, Dreyer. And they were, um, for years, they were trying to get pregnant and couldn't. And finally, when Crystal was 40 years old, uh, she got pregnant. And they were just elated. And then, uh, as the pregnancy progressed... Uh, they were at the doctor, and they made the discovery, not only are you pregnant, but you're going to have twins. And I was like, ooh, that was a little bit more of a blessing than we counted on, you know. But they were, they were still excited. About week 20, they were at the doctor's office, and as the nurse uh, was doing the examination, uh, she made a discovery that startled them. She said, I see something here, and I, I need to call in a specialist to talk to you. And when the specialist came in, they broke the news to the couple that uh, the baby B, as they called it, was fine, but baby A had spina bifida. And as the doctor sat down with the couple, they said, your, your child has, has spina bifida. Um, it's possible that there are some other uh, 
chromosome things that are going on that could really create all kinds of issues for this baby. We really don't think you ought to carry this baby full term. Um, this baby, if it survives, most likely won't survive birth, but if it does survive birth, will, it will be in a bed, confined to a bed all of its life. It, it will have no activity um, and that's really no quality of life, and we just want to encourage you to abort this child. They struggled. Being people of faith, they, they prayed, and they began to just ask, you know, God, guide us, um, because what they were wanting to do was actually you know, have the baby die in the womb and still let her carry it full term and, and deliver, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And they just said, that's just a, a horrible thought. And they wrestled back and forth. And then one morning, Crystal got a call from one of her friends who had been praying for her. And her friend said, you know, I don't know what you guys are going to do, and we've been praying for you. But I just want to tell you, this morning, as I prayed for you, I felt like God gave me a verse for you. And the verse is Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good and not for evil. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. And they hung on to that verse. And they decided, they told the doctor, I know we, we appreciate what you're saying. We know what we might be up against, but, but we're, we're going to carry this baby full term. And, and whatever God gives us, we will respond to when the baby's born. And so they did. And they had two little baby boys, um, Carl, who was the healthier of the boys, and then little Dion. Throw that picture up on the screen. That was little Dion when he was born. And immediately after he was born, there was a, a, a sack on his back that the doctors had to remove from the spina bifida. Uh, a few weeks later, they went in and they had to uh, drain uh, the fluid off of his brain. And, and he had some, you know, some health issues there in those first weeks. But what they discovered, amazingly, was after they drained the fluid off of his brain, this baby began to thrive. And he began to develop. And they had told them, you know, with certainty, this, this child will never you know, leave a bed. This child will never, um, you know, walk, and this child will never be able to play or do anything that, that kids do. But then, by two years old, throw that picture up on the screen. There's little Dion. Little Dion was walking around and responding and doing all the things that that little kids do. And uh, yes, is his body weaker than other children? Yes. Would he be able to play sports and do all of that? You know, they they didn't think that any of that would might ever happen. But for all accounts and purposes, this little boy who they said had no chance of survival not only was surviving, but he was thriving. Throw that next picture up on the screen. And there you'll see far left is, is Dion on the left, and you'll see the other twin and then the other boy that they had later. But you, what, you, what, what I want you to get, this is when he was five years of age. By the time he was five, they, they were just saying, you know what, what, we, what the doctors and nurses said couldn't happen, we trusted God for, and it did. Look at me. All I want to say is this. I don't know how God does all of this. I don't even know why God does all of this. I can't tell you what instances, you know, God moves in and what he doesn't move in, but this is what I know. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. He is. 
And I don't know what you may be facing. I don't know who you may be praying for. I don't know what valley you may be walking through. But I do know our God is a healer. And he can meet you at your point of need. God, that's not too hard for God. Amen? Not too hard for him. Another name that, that, we, that we can lean into is that he is Jehovah Jireh, which means what, church? Our provider. Our provider. How many of you have ever had a time in your journey of faith where you've seen God provide for you in ways you were just unexpected? Anybody? Yeah. You know, God just shows up in ways, times that we're, we're, we're not even sure about what's going on. It's so crazy. After the first service, Richard Bruce, uh, who's on our board here, stopped me in the, in, the, in the lobby and he said, Steve, he said, man, he said, when you were talking, he said, my flashback to when, you know, I was uh, trying to get a teaching job and Sherry was still in school and we were nearly married, or uh, nearly married, we were newly married. <laughs> I hope you're watching that, Richard. That's, yeah, that's nearly married. We were newly married, living in a trailer, and he said, and uh, he said, I had a, I, I thought, you know, I was told, I, you know, no, you know, no worries, you're going to get a teaching job, and then he said, then I get this call from superintendent, so sorry, from the principal, so sorry, you know, they're, they're making us lay off all new teachers, and you can't get it, you know, you can't get it, he said, I was so discouraged. And he said, so he said, so I started substitute teaching. He said, I was cutting grass. And he goes, and all the while that I'm, I'm cutting grass and I'm, I'm, I'm substitute teaching, he says, I'm complaining to God. You know, have you ever done this? He goes, I'm just complaining. He says, I'm whining. You know, God, why everybody else get a job and I can't get one? You know, why are you blessing everybody? And he said, I was just going on and on. And he said, the crazy thing, he said, I was cutting grass. And he said, it was one of those years in, in Oklahoma, he said, where the weather was beautiful, clear up into December. He said, it's December and I'm still cutting grass, making money. He said, I'm substitute teaching. He said, I substitute taught 121 days that year. He said, I remember that. And he goes, and somewhere along the way, all of a sudden, I realized, that even, even though I was substitute teaching and cutting grass and wasn't doing what I wanted to do, I was making more money this year than I made the year before. He said, God was providing over and over again. And he said, and I just didn't see it happening. That's how God works. I love in Philippians chapter four, verse 19. Paul's talking about God's ability to provide. Look at what he says, read it with me. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which will have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I had a, I had a friend. This was just such a great story. And I think I shared this some years back. But this was just such a great story that fits so well for God being our provider. I had a young man in, uh, in Pennsylvania. His name was Tom Ravazio who uh, had, had uh, grown up in the Mon Valley area there and was kind of a wild kid who came to Christ uh, when he was a young adult and felt a call to ministry and crazy. He felt like God was calling back to the Mon Valley area to plant a church uh, in an area that was high crime, uh, poverty you know, stricken, and it was just a really tough area, but he just felt like God you know, was calling him there. And I met with Tom, and you know, we kind of prayed about what he was going to do, and and uh, kind of came alongside of him, did some mentoring with him, did some you know training with him and some of his his team, and uh, we our church come come alongside of him and helped him out financially, and he, and, and I remember him talking about uh, find looking for a place, and they finally found a place, and it was just incredible to watch 
how in a situation where you thought there was no way God was ever going to be able to do something, God did something. And I never forget, I, I saved the email. He sent me an email uh, two years after they got going. And here, here was his email to me, just again, giving testimony to how God had provided he said, two years ago, we were given the use of a building in, in, in the town, Donora, by a Jewish family that God had given us favor from. He said, this building had been vacant for seven years. It was infested with the worst of the worst. It, it resembled a, a rainforest on most days. He said, but you know what? We appreciated the gift. And, and he said, slowly and prayerfully, our church family began to repair and paint and scrub, and disinfect, and replace, and reconstruct everything, and how God provided. Listen to this. He goes, a friend donated a brand new roof costing $14,000. Another friend contacted us, and they donated a brand new central heating and air conditioning system to the tune of $12,000. He said, we were offered brand new kitchen cabinets that were valued at $4,000 for 500 bucks. He said, carpeting was given to us at cost. Ceiling fans for the church were donated. All the paint we needed was donated. He goes, and that list could go on and on. And today, it's one of the most beautiful God-honoring worship sites in the Mon Valley. He goes, and then this crazy thing happened. The owners of this building didn't tell us that they had nine different liens and judgments against our building and eight other properties. He said, and all of a sudden, we got scared because we were investing all kinds of money in this, not knowing that this building had a lien against it. And he said, so we just began to pray and fast, and we began to ask God to, to intervene. And he said, and soon, one lien after another began to drop with the aid of a good Christian attorney who had divine wisdom and guidance and a lot of people on their knees. God does speak to us today. And then here's what he said. Today, at 1030... We received the deed to our ministry center, debt-free and lien-free, donated to us Gentile believers by a Jewish family by divine arrangement from a former Jewish carpenter. <laughs> God is good, amen? Now, here's all I want to say to you. I don't, I don't know what you need. I don't know what you're facing I don't know what obstacles you have ahead personally or financially, but this is what I know. Our God is still Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Amen. Let me give you another one. When I began to think about who God is and how important it is to us, here, here's another one that hit me. He is Abba, which means what? Our Father. Our Father. When I began to think about our ability to believe or not believe what God could do in our lives, I, I began to think about how many of us grow up in home environments where we're, we're told things are a certain way, and we just don't believe things can be different. Um, come on, it's just us. Some of us have come from families where, you know, alcoholism, substance abuse has gone on for generations. 
You know, some of us come from homes where abuse has gone on for generations. Uh, some of us come from homes and families where, you know, no one, were, no, no one was ever educated, you know, for generations. And, and sometimes when we, when we grow up in those environments, we begin to believe that this is just the way that it's going to be. And yet God has this ability, in spite of the families that we are born into, God has a way of taking us into his family, and that changes everything. Amen? There was a, 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 little, a little clip I saw. Some of you may have seen this. Just such a cool story. Over in, in Arkansas, there was a, a, a young girl that, that lived uh, across the street from this family. and she, she, Her name was Kanya, and she just grew up in a, in a really tough home. Uh, a lot of trouble, a lot of drama, a lot of struggles. And this family across the street from her just took her in. And that family became her, her safe place. And so whenever things would get rowdy at home, she would go across the street and she would just stay with this family. And this family just loved on her and just created this safe place on her. When she turned 18, she moved in with this family to just have a safe place to stay. And she lived there. Um, she grew up and she ended up getting married and the father of this home from across the street was actually the one who walked her down the aisle and, and uh, was being this father-like figure in her life. And so as, this, uh, as things progressed, there was just such a cool thing. Uh, last year, 2020, for Christmas, this family was trying to decide what to do for her to just, uh, just really give her a great gift. And they had this really cool idea. They decided to actually legally adopt her. And to basically say to her, you know, not only have we been like a family to you, we want to be family for you. And they had no idea how this would hit her. But they videotaped it. Look at this when they gave her the adoption paper. How important is it that we all know we have a place where we belong. And that's what God offers us. Look at me. You're my heart. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what your family was like. It doesn't matter how many generations things have been the way they are. You get the opportunity to step into a new family with the world's only perfect father. Amen. I love the passage of the scripture on your outline. 1 John 3, 1. Read it with me, church. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. That's why Paul writes to the Romans, and he says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you into his own family as his own children. Read it with me. Now we call him Abba, Father.
Amen. Amen. Let me give you one more. He is Jesus, our Savior. He is Jesus, our Savior. What does that mean? That means that your life, wherever it has been, is not too hard for God to turn around. Our God is still in the redemption business. I love how Paul frames this in Colossians chapter 1 as he's talking about Jesus, who he is, and what he can do. Read it with me from Colossians 1. It says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. I'll just let that sink in. Because just as God in the garden took a couple of lumps of clay and he fashioned that into a human being, God takes the tattered pieces of our life through Jesus Christ our Lord and refashions us into new living beings. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, for any man who is in Christ, he is a brand new creation The old is gone, and guess what? All things become new. I had a man who attended our church some years ago who came from a really rough background. Grew up in a home with a lot of violence. Grew up in a home with a lot of uh, alcohol and drugs. His wife started attending our church first. Never really believed he would ever come. But one year in December when we did a a Christmas program, this guy shows up with his family to see his kids in the Christmas program. His extended family who were there were all just stunned that he came. What was additionally surprising was He came back, and he came back, and he came back. And this rough, tough guy who had a history of violence and alcoholism and substance abuse, we watched God transform him. We watched God change him into a vessel that God could use. Yeah, he still had some rough edges. and There was a lot of work for his life that needed to be done. But the amazing work of God began to take place. And this guy that I, I promise you, everyone who knew him wouldn't have given you 10 cents for his chances of survival. I watched God transform him into a man of God. I was thinking about him uh, this week when I was working on the message, on this part of the message, I, I thought about him and I haven't talked to him for a good while and wondered, you know, was he still staying true to the faith? Was he still going on? And so I pulled him up on Facebook just to see, you know, that's where you can find out what people really think. <laughs> so I pulled him up on Facebook and here was his, here was his post on Friday on Facebook. Throw that up on the screen. People say, why is God turning his back on the USA? He didn't. We turned our backs on him. 
And this is what a world without him looks like. I read that and I, I chuckled to myself because I thought if there was anyone I ever knew that knew what it was to live in a world without God being present, it was him. But God has taken him out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And so if you're wondering, can God forgive you? Can God change you? Yes, he can. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. If you're wondering for someone you care about, can God change them? Maybe you look at what they do. Maybe you look at what they say. Maybe you look at the life they've lived. And maybe you go, man, I don't know if there's any hope in them. Look at me. Oh, yes, there is. Don't you dare doubt what God can do. Nothing is too hard for him. No heart is too hard for him. Amen. This morning, Rachel's going to lead us in a, it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. Talks about Jesus being our, our healer. And I want to just invite you. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know how you need God in all of his power and grace to show up in your life. But I believe from the bottom of my soul today, nothing is too hard for our God. And he can meet you right where you are, right in what middle of whatever it is you are going through. So we're going to sing this song. And I, and I want to just invite you right where you're at, just to, to just lay before him whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're afraid about, whatever impossible situation you think you're dealing with, just to lay it before him. If, you, if anybody wants to come to the altar, the altars are open. If you'd like to come and just kneel or have a moment with God, you're more than welcome to do that. But you can also do that right where you're at. We're going to sing this song, and then I want to pray. And I'm going to pray that the power of God will fall on you wherever you are in whatever you need him. Father, I have no idea what uh, the people watching online are dealing with today. I have no idea what the people in this room are dealing with today. But what I do believe, God, with all of my heart is that nothing is too hard for you. Lord, you've demonstrated your, your power again and again in our lives. You are a healer. You're our provider. You are the one who can take whatever past we've had and set it aside and give us a brand new future. You are the God of grace and mercy and redemption. And Lord, I pray for each and every person today. You know what they're facing. You know what they're walking through. And you know exactly how they need you to show up in their life. Lord, I pray first of all this morning that you would just increase our faith. That you would help us to believe in you more than we've believed in you in the past. That we would be able to lean into you like children who, who know how much their father loves them. That we wouldn't be afraid to ask you for, for whatever it is that we're dealing with or going through or however it is we need you. That our hearts would be open to receive whatever it is that you want to give. And Father, I pray that you would do some things in our lives that would startle us. I pray that you would do some things that would remind us that you are just the same today 
Father, nothing is too difficult for you. Help us to hang on to that verse. Hang on to that statement and trust you in this week to come. Whatever we face and we think, is it possible? Remind us once again, with God, all things are possible. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said,